Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of Truth in Rhythm. This is the Truth in Rhythm Year in Review, or T-I-R-Y-I-R. -I and you should already know, Truth in Rhythm is a show where musicians get deep in the pocket, those that are contemporary masters of the groove, that is. And I am your host, Scott Dr. Jake Goldfine, musicologist and author of Everything is on the One, The First Guide of Funk, Here's a copy. Makes a great holiday gift, a gift for yourself, a gift for friends, family. They don't even have to be funk fans necessarily. Just being a music fan, I'm sure they'll like it, or just hearing about some of the stories that are in there in general. So get your copy at Amazon. If you haven't already picked one up today, you'll be so glad you did. Truth and Rhythm, as a reminder, video version is available at funkinstuff.net or on YouTube. And if you subscribe to the Funkin' Stuff channel on YouTube, you'll get the show before anyone else does. Early premieres and insights on the show and lots of other great things, I hope. Um, and also, be sure that you go to funkinstuff.net and go to the store. There's a um, menu item at the top where you can go to the Funkin' Stuff store. You can get Truth and Rhythm merchandise and also funkinstuff.net. Goodies like this, um, kind of like what I'm wearing here, the Truth and Rhythm, there it is, uh, logo. And, uh, you know, hoodies and shirts and cups and all kinds of things. So support the program and show the love. Um, so, you know, this being a special show, I'm going to talk about the year in review, look forward to 2020, and also give my picks for the top 20 uh, records of 2019. So all that fun is coming up. Um, a little bit more about myself. Some people wonder, you know, who is this guy? Well, you know, um, I've been deep into this music ever since I was nine years old. Um, you know, at the time, fourth grade, kids would bring records to uh, uh, on Fridays for us to dance to. And in Santa Monica, California, some of the uh, cooler kids from the cooler side of town brought things like the Jackson 5, and Edwin Starr, and that kind of good stuff. And so I got into it from, from then on, and then progressed into Stevie Wonder, Ohio Players, Problem Funkadelic, and all the rest. And then off into other genres, too. So, um, you know, music is always a growing and learning experience. That's what's so wonderful about it. There's so much out there, and new stuff keeps getting made. I never get tired of hearing new stuff, and I'm always on the lookout for it. So I'm not just old school, although... You know, a lot of the stuff in the old school can replicate it again, so have to give it special attention uh, for that fact. Um, so my background was with um, DJing. I was a disc jockey for 15 years. I started out just DJing in high school uh, with my own stereo system before I made enough money to get a real full disc jockey set up. And that was at a time when it was pretty new, and that was just becoming in vogue where they had pro audio equipment that you can use could use for DJ and so um, there's a, a well-known DJ in Los Angeles the shell of LA who's still doing his thing God bless him and he was you know a big influence on me he did our high school dances he did the house parties that I went to and he inspired me to you know try to follow in those footsteps and I was in the same record pools him uh, impact and uh, resource record pool on Crenshaw Boulevard in Los Angeles so you know, DJing was a, a big thing for me because I can never sing myself. And I just needed to bring music. I needed to share music with everyone like I continue to do through this show. And so, you know, DJing seemed like the natural way since I was not that good playing an instrument, although at least I could do that. I started out with alto sax while I was in fourth grade. And uh, my son, who's named after Maceo Parker, his middle name, he's playing alto sax now, so that's pretty cool. And actually, I just restored my saxophone from back then uh, and he's using it so the tradition continues but I had to bring music to the people when I was in even middle school I was the one that brought the recorder to school and was playing Ohio players and average white band and trying to turn whoever I could on to this music that just did so much for me and I wanted to do that for them as well and to bring that joy and that feeling and and that that goodness to their soul. Um, so 
you know, I started out with that. Then I had the boombox in high school, made mixtapes all the time. I had all the great jams that were on the, you know, the black R&B radio stations at the time. Isley Brothers, Ohio Players Can Function, Cameo. Everybody you can imagine that had any funk to it at all. So that, you know, parlayed into the DJing, which I did for a number of years. I started a company called Musical Moods that was pretty big around Los Angeles. And I did pretty good with that for a number of years and had some DJs working for me. Um, did a lot of celebrities out there and a lot of, um, you know, famous gigs. Um, um, Mick Fleetwood of Fleetwood Mac. I did some rap parties for some of the movies out there, some of the film directors and, um, uh, you know, actresses and actors and, you know, and just regular people too, of course. So, uh, ranged from house parties to uh, clubs. I was a regular at several clubs, including the um, TV club in, uh, I think it was off Western Boulevard. It was in, you know, deep into Los Angeles. And it was the same building, a facility that Ice-T got his start in as the radio club. And mine was a TV club. So I think he was doing it on Saturday night, I was on Friday or something like that, and uh, that went on for a while. And I worked in a num number of other clubs as well. Then I went to school and I got a degree in radio, television, and film at Cal State Northridge, and ended up um, working for a radio syndicator called Teleprograms. I was an um, intern at the college radio station at CSUN. I worked for a while at Atlantic Records. I worked for a company called American Mixed Media doing their record promotion. I was music editor for Black Radio Exclusive Magazine. I was the, the Urban Beat uh, columnist for Inside Music and Video. Did a number of cover stories for that, including George Clinton and the Beastie Boys and all kinds of people. Um, then I ended up being a, um, a music critic. I did uh, film and, and music reviews for many years for an entity called Silent Radio, which was sort of a little before the internet and then you know the internet came but it was the teletext display boards that ran copy kind of like you would see down at the bottom of CNN but these were on dedicated boards that were in 45 major cities across the country and they were red text and they ran, um, appeared anywhere where lines formed you know in um, bars in nightclubs in post offices in restaurants and it carried all the news of the day and sports and reviews, which I did. And so um, I was living the life in Los Angeles, you know, going to all the screenings, getting all the records, um, either from the, the stations, I mean, not stations, but from the labels, or through, um, you know, being the, the DJ work. So um, then I also did a show called Platter Chatter, which was a music albums review show. I wanted to do something that was like at the movies, but for music. And so I did about 30 of those that aired in the Southern California area. And, um, you know, at one point I was talking with uh, Quincy Jones' company about picking it up and maybe syndicating it, and of course, boosting the production values and all that. Never happened, but um, you can see those videos as well on the Funkin' Stuff channel on YouTube and also at FunkinStuff.net. Uh, a lot of cool album reviews uh, on those and so I was getting you know the videos and the records from the labels and all that was well and good but I never quite reached the level that I wanted to um, you know I, I had hoped to you know be a big uh, you know A&R guy or a, a big uh, label PR guy and executive and all that never elevated to that but you know I did all these other things and the music is in me deep in me Actually, the whole entertainment industry being born, uh, you know, in the Hollywood area. And so uh, things changed in the, um, God, what year was that? Well, 2004 is when things really changed because I had a, a son and I put my entertainment and music life sort of on hold a little bit and moved across the country to North Carolina where I am now. And focused on, on that, being the family guy, and actually um, an associate publisher and editor-in-chief for a business-to-business -business publication for the electronic security industry. And so that was like my day job and my main job for a while until about four years ago when I went full-fledged back to get into the music 
side of things. And that's why in 2017 I launched this program, Truth and Rhythm. Uh, I think it was 2016 when I founded FunkinStuff.net. And the whole goal of this show is to preserve the legacies of funk, R&B, jazz, and even hip-hop greats. And to be different, you know, to go deep and talk mostly about the creative process and about the music, about the performances, not to just be superficial, especially with a lot of these artists that never got there just do anyway. You know, the funk genre in particular has always been overlooked and kind of dismissed. And so these guys deserve to have their time in the sun and also for their story to carry on. And that's what this is. It's a labor of love. It's a, you know, it's, it's something that I, I want to give back and have you all enjoy and give these artists their recognition, you know? Um, so another thing I did, you know, when I was coming up in the late seventies and eighties, I was forever frustrated by the lack of mainstream media attention and respect that the funk genre did not get. And so, um, I always wanted to, you know, be able to find books and, and, and have funk designated as its own genre in record stores, in bookstores, wherever. And it just wasn't happening. So I took it upon myself in the late 80s to write a book on funk music. At the time, there was not a single book out there that focused on funk music, if you can believe that. Now there are a handful. But at the time, there was none. And I had this grandiose plan to really do this all-encompassing funk encyclopedia. And it was really an ambitious plan. But when I got into it, I realized it was, you know, too broad. And it would take me forever. And it would be, you know, so thick, so many pages. It would be ridiculous. And this was before the Internet. So, um, you know, and when I talk about the music being disrespected, also during the time when CDs came in and people were, uh, you know, getting rid of their vinyl and, um, you know, converting to CDs, so many of the black artists, especially funk, were not properly represented on the digital transformation. You know, there were so many great records that you could not get on CD. You know, you might get a compilation if you were lucky. So it's just another example of the disrespect and being swept under the rug that I hope to rectify by doing a book. And gosh, the book, you know, really took a lot of time and work, as you can well imagine. And so I worked on it for three or four years, from the late 80s to the early 90s, got it copyrighted. And, uh, you know, everything is on the one, the first guy to funk, which is the book that I promoted. Put it aside for many years, and I finally went back to it when I got back into music again, as I said, like four years ago, and I said, gosh darn it, I am going to get this thing finished and finally put it out. So I updated it as best I could and finished it up and finally got it out. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have a copy. But, you know, it's really my, I don't know, my love letter, you know, to funk music and, and helping make it legitimate. But like I said, several books came out in the interim from when I started that to when I finally got mine out. There were other books. And when I call it the first guide, I don't want any misperception. I'm not saying, you know, necessarily it's it's the very first of all time. If I would put it out when I started it, it would have been. Now it's not really, but first in terms of I'm just saying, hey, you know, for me it's like the best. Um, but um, there are other good ones out there, too. I have one good one behind me right there, which is uh, Ricky Vincent's, which has probably sold the most copies. And God bless him. He is, you know, really outstanding at what he does. So, and his came, his came out, I think, in the early 90s. So it was around the time when I was putting mine aside and taking a break. I have no idea when he started his, but probably around the same time as I did because... I think he grew up in the same type of situation, loving the music and just knowing there was nothing out there uh, to cover it. And he took it upon himself, just like I did. So a lot of synergy there. He was from Northern California. I'm from Southern California. So it's a yin and yang kind of thing, maybe. So um, 
Where to find Truth and Rhythm? I had mentioned the video version at FunkinStuff.net and on YouTube, but also there's an audio podcast version. If you just want to listen to it, you know, it's available across most uh, podcast sites. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. It's through Google. If you just Google it, you'll find many sources for the podcast. So those are out there as well. Um, another exciting thing that happened this year, just recently actually, is uh, official uh, trademark. Truth and Rhythm is an officially trademark entity now. So um, excited about that and hoping to just continue to spread the Truth and Rhythm uh, name, what it stands for, and, and these interviews and exposure of the artists. And you can help that too by sharing it with a friend, sharing it with family. Um, the show has garnered uh, more than a thousand subscribers just during 2019, so that's great. It's like this grassroots thing that's really growing. There's been well over a quarter of a million views, uh, so that's fantastic. Um, but it's definitely a loyal following out there, and it's so much appreciated. we got to be the Funk Army. You know, we're all soldiers in this, so. All right, so 2019, I hope it was a good year for you. For me personally, it wasn't too bad, you know. Um, my wife had uh, some major surgery uh, about a month ago, but thank goodness she's recovering well. Um, my son transferred to high school, so that was a huge, huge change, and I can't believe he's already, you know, in high school, but he's playing in the marching band, playing alto sax, which is following in my footsteps, and I did not push upon that him uh, that upon him at all. It just happened very organically. Um, you know, his middle name is Parker, after Maceo Parker, and his initials are MPG, named after Prince's MPG. But, um, you know, he just kind of went in that direction himself. Of course, I, I've tried to give him a good musical education, and he, he certainly knows well who Maceo Parker is. What else? Um, got a new nephew just uh, like two months ago down in Florida. We we're hoping to uh, meet the new nephew, Aiden, in, uh, for, for Christmas holidays. Um, myself, I traveled around, you know, for my, my day job. I travel quite a bit, actually. Um, you know, I go so often to places that I've gone to many times before. And, you know, I don't love airports, but uh, it's always something interesting about almost any trip. This year I went to Indianapolis for the first time, which, you know, maybe those of you who have been think, well, big thrill. But I always enjoy seeing a brand new place. And I got to tell you, Indianapolis is laid out very similarly to Charlotte. I think it's around the same size, and just the way they have it set up reminded me quite a bit of Charlotte. So, um, also got to, uh, well, I went to uh, Denver a couple times this year, but I was there during their historic blizzard that hit in March. And so, uh, you know, canceled like 1,500 flights, and, uh, you know, people abandoned their cars on the, on the highways, and it was craziness. But... I timed it just perfectly, so I got in and out, experienced the blizzard from the hotel I was staying at, and it didn't affect my travel at all, so, which is pretty good, because a couple of years ago, going to Denver, I missed my plane by just uh, a few minutes, the uh, deadline for actually getting my bag checked, and it snowballed, and ended up having to spend the whole night in the Denver International Airport, so that was not fun. So I guess I was uh, due some karma back on the blizzard. Also went to the uh, Fountain Blue Resort in Florida. That was just a few weeks ago. It's a historic resort in my uh, Miami Beach. They filmed movies there, and, and I was in the uh, room where Frank Sinatra used to perform. So that was kind of cool. And another thrill was going to uh, uh, Fort Worth a couple of months ago. Uh, actually, less than that. Maybe only a month ago. But at any rate, I was disappointed that the Cowboys were going to be out of town because the Cowboys are my favorite team something else you can know about me and love it or, or hate it and this year they're uh, taking a lot of ribbings with how they've been underachieving but if you can see back there um, favorite baseball team Pittsburgh Pirates Willie Stargell's my favorite player and then over uh, next to that is the uh, Cowboys stuff uh, Sports Illustrated covers from when they won their Super Bowls with Emmett and Troy on the covers Roger Staubach uh, signed deal and some other Cowboys paraphernalia, and then, um, of course, favorite basketball teams, the Lakers. They're back this year, baby, finally. It's about time. 
Uh, so, but being in Fort Worth, I was uh, disappointed the Cowboys were not in town. I would have hoped to see them play. They were playing the Giants on Monday night. I guess next best thing, I got to go to a uh, sports bar there and watch them uh, beat the Giants, which right now, as of this recording, is her last win um, with fellow fans. So that was that was fun and exciting. Uh, something else cool this year, the Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center in Dayton. Uh, go to thefunkcenter.org for more information and keep the funk alive always. I was uh, appointed an official funk ambassador for that institution, and so I'm very excited about that and just looking forward to, you know, I want to do whatever I can to promote the music and the artists uh, behind funk and funk jazz and funk R&B and funky hip-hop and funky rock. You know, there's a lot of forms that funk takes, and I support them all. Um, one thing uh, you might also notice this year was that the format, the video format, uh, changed. You know, I was using the format, the platform uh, Hangouts, Google Hangouts, and they discontinued that in August. They just cut it off for whatever reason. It's kind of a bummer. But you would see a full screen like you're seeing now because I'm just recording directly. And I had used that, and it was nice because I could switch back and forth between just me and the guest. And so I actually kind of got to direct a little bit in doing that. And, and I liked that because you could see the full screen. But they just continue that, so I had to switch to Skype. And Skype works fine, but it does cut right down the center of the screen and puts each person on one side, or if there's three people, um, you know, two on one side and, and whatever. But it, it breaks up the screen, so you can't see all my great wall of fame here so well. And you can't see, um, you know, the guests' studio as well, if they're in a studio and so forth. So I don't like it quite as well. I'm curious what you think, you know, because I had heard from some viewers that they would like to see the expression on the face of both the host and the guest at all times. So let me know what you prefer. I mean, it's kind of academic because I can't go back to Hangouts. But I'm just curious if, uh, if you like the Skype format better with both myself and the guest on simultaneously, then that's, that's great because that's, that's what we're stuck with. <laughs> so, um, what else? Oh, um, concerts this year. You know, I didn't get out to a lot of concerts. And, you know, unfortunately in Charlotte, we don't get a lot of good concerts. You know, and the good ones that we do are for the most part at uh, like the Fillmore or at the Neighborhood Theater. And they're standing only. You know, and I get so tired of that uh, physically and mentally. I get tired. I'm not as young as I used to be. And, you know, just standing for all that time is, is a bummer for, you know, four or five hours at a time. But I did get to the uh, George Clooney show, the One Nation uh, tour. He stopped in uh, Greensboro. And, you know, a couple of things were very special about that. I brought my son Nathan uh, to it, and so it was his first time ever seeing P-Funk. Also on the bill was Fishbone and Galactic. Fishbone and Angelo, very entertaining. Um, but Galactic was fantastic. They were really great. Uh, very short, though. And, of course, P-Funk was P-Funk, you know. So he had a great time. And we were right there in the second row, and um, uh, we had the VIP thing. So we met George ahead of time, and so he got to meet George. And, uh, you know, was, I've met George several times, but uh, it had been a long time. It had been uh, 25 years, probably, since I last met with George. So uh, that was very cool. And um, the other great thing about that show was I met my longtime friend of 30 years, Tim Kinley, uh, well-known P-Funk archivist and just, you know, great guy, runs the uh, a Parliament Funkadelic uh, a, a Parliament Funkadelic Mint Thang website, uh, not website, Facebook. And uh, we just do APT for, for short, but um, uh, Tim Kinley, who lives down here in South Carolina, not too far from me, but we had never met in person. And so we finally met at that show and it was just so great to finally uh, meet Tim in person. We've traded 
videos and recordings and so many stories and so much love over the years just to meet him and his other half Donna uh, was fantastic so what a great time at that show in Greensboro another great show I saw this year was when I was in Denver um, a couple of months ago saw Jimmy Herring Jimmy Herring is a fantastic guitar player he's like a jam guitar player certainly not well known in funk circles but you know he's played with uh, the Dead, and he's played with um, Widespread Panic, and he's done his own thing and played you know in a lot of different configurations. This was a new thing he's doing, and they were just unbelievable. And it was a cool club that that I went to as well out there in Denver. So if you can see Jimmy Herring's current tour, they're pretty funky right now, but all instrumental. I take that back. There was. The other guitar player did do some singing. The other guitar player is also fantastic. Keyboard player, amazing. Just a great, great band. So, All right, so what happened otherwise with Truth and Rhythm during 2019? Well, you know what? 48 shows aired in 2019, brand new shows. And most of these are multi-part, two to four parts apiece in most cases. Some are only one, though. 48 shows. Um, I'm going to, um, in post-production, list them across the screen here, so I'm not going to uh, recite all of them. But you know where you find them is on the funkinstuff.net site. At the top of the home screen, there's a menu item for Truth and Rhythm. And if you click on that, there's a drop-down, and it shows all the episodes, all 125 or so episodes, and they're all linked. I mean, really convenient, uh, great overview and a great way to catch up with ones that you've missed. Um, also, it shows the ones that are upcoming. So that is the best place to go. Again, funkinstuff.net, the Truth and Rhythm drop-down for the directory of all episodes of Truth and Rhythm. So, you know, you have no idea what goes on behind the uh, scenes here at Truth and Rhythm, and I'm hoping to give you a better sense of that as we uh, talker, well, I'm the only one talking, but you know, through this show here, this special show, directly to you, um, the valuable viewer and fellow music fan. You know, for every show that you see, there's 48 shows that aired this year. The majority of those shows required a lot of setup, a lot of like communications going back and forth to schedule to break the ice with the artist, um, to get them to commit, to get them when they're not busy with touring or recording or personal life, to get them through the technical aspects of the show. You know, this show tends to have artists who are 50 or older, um, and, and a lot of them are not comfortable with the technology or they just don't want to appear on video. So there's all this conjoling and a lot of times going through the whole process and, and not working out with the video. So you may also notice that this year, you know, I was talking about the change from Hangouts, um, but I've also uh, done a few shows where the guest is actually just on the phone. You can only see me. And I've done that because that guest is either uncomfortable with video or, or the technolo technological aspect of it. And rather than not have that person represented on Truth and Rhythm, I've taken to letting them just be on, on the phone and you just have their voice. So I hope you're okay with that. It seems like people are happy with that. The most important thing is to hear those stories and to preserve the legacy through that. So I will work with the artists. I work on their schedules. I work on the format that they're comfortable with, whatever. You know what's ironic, though, is that some of the ones that are the most difficult to deal with on the technical aspect, you'd expect it scheduling-wise, but on the technical aspect, some of the hardest ones to deal with have been the bigger artists because they're so used to having handlers and people take care of everything for them that for them to have to actually be, you know, bothered with, um, you know, Skype or uh, formerly Hangouts, to be bothered with something like that rather than just doing a quick phoner. Uh, or have someone there in person, because this show, of course, is done remotely, is like out of their comfort zone and like too much for them to have to deal with. And so even when I 
tell them, you know, you should be set up in a certain way with, uh, you know, where the, the device doesn't have to be held, it needs to be plugged in, try to have a studio background. I tell them all this, I prep them with everything. And then they'll show up like, you know, walking somewhere or in their car or something or something that just does not lend itself well to this process. And so then we are stuck with, um, you know, let's face it, technically speaking, an inferior product. And if it's inferior technically, it's not going to be as good uh, informationally either. And uh, so it's just a shame that that happens sometimes. But I just do the best that can possibly be done with the connection that's available, with their willingness to do what needs to be done, with their availability, all that good stuff to bring you this program. So the 48 shows this year, some of the ones that I was really thrilled about especially was getting uh, Robert Cool Bell of Cool and the Gang. That was, you know, I had been wanting Cool and the Gang for, for quite a while and to not only finally get them, but to get Cool himself was terrific. Uh, Roy Ayers was one that I had been after a long, long time. And that's one like I'm speaking of where Roy ended up being um, just on the phone. And, you know, after trying to set that up for two years, just getting him on the phone, I was I was just very glad for that to happen. Ronnie Laws. Ronnie Laws is a great sax player. I've been after him for uh, a year at least as well. And some issues transpired there and finally get him was, was fantastic. Lenny White, the amazing drummer, he actually uh, was not that hard to set up. He was very accommodating and... Uh, that, that one went very smoothly, and it's just so great to have him. Lisa Coleman, the um, Revolution from Prince and the Revolution, the uh, keyboard player, of course. She was just, her vibe was so cool. She was so relaxed. She was so giving. She, you know, sat for a four-part episode and just you know, had a great time with her, and viewers have really uh, taken to that one. Pleasure. I had been trying to get a hold of Nate Phillips for like two years, and he was unaware of this, but I finally did. And after doing so, him and Michael Hepburn, they got a pleasure back together, and they not only put out a dynamite album this year, but just hanging with them to do the show was just such a blast. I mean, we just instantly connected and hit it off. And, you know, that's the thing with most of these shows. They ended up being just like hanging out with the artist. And that's really what I'm after with this show, is not only going so deep and asking questions that you, the true music fan, would want to ask about the work itself, but having it feel like you're almost there just hanging with them and talking to them. So I hope that comes across. By all the comments, I appreciate the comments. Keep them coming. It seems like it is hitting uh, that 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 note or that nerve and that is just fantastic because that's the goal of truth and rhythm uh, another highlight was having philip bailey of earth wind fire that was fantastic that was one that was technically challenged he did it from uh, his hotel room before a rehearsal in chicago and uh, definitely was not really adequately set up for that but i did the best i could with it Getting James Diamond Williams of the Ohio Players, huge thrill, my favorite all-time drummer from my favorite band. You know, Ohio Players and P-Funk probably tied as my favorite bands. I had to do him on the phone. I'd been after him for two years to do the video. He wasn't really wanting to do the video, so but I'm so thankful that he did do the phone and just so great to finally get the Ohio Players represented on Truth and Rhythm and from none other than Diamond. Man, he's incredible. So I uh, also did so many P-Funk related shows this year. Um, I could go on and on, but you know, if you've missed any of them, again, go to funkinstuff.net, Truth and Rhythm drop down, and see your episode's directory, and uh, make up for what you've missed. The top 10 most viewed Truth and Rhythm shows of 2019, drumroll. Number one, most viewed Truth and Rhythm show during 2019, Lisa Coleman from Prince and Revolution. Number two, Gail Chapman, former keyboard player, Lisa's predecessor, ironically, uh, from the, uh, I think, 
I think they were the revolution then, but she was also there before they were officially called the revolution. Number three was Philip Bailey. Number four most viewed was Robert Cool Bell. Number five most viewed for this year was Bernadette Cooper from Climax. And that was one where she was on the phone too. Number six was Emilio Castillo, the leader of Tower of Power. That was another one where I think it was uh, four parts. It was at least three. And he was just so, so great to just hang out and talk to. Number seven was Robert. Uh, I'm sorry, Rodney Skeet Curtis. Number seven, the great P-Funk bassist. And again, some of these came out later in the year. Like uh, Skeet was, was a couple months ago. So he's had much less time to accumulate the views that some of the other ones have. Uh, Gail was from very early in the year, Gail Chapman. So I'm going to lose my voice a little bit. Number eight, Lenny White. Number nine, Pleasure. And number 10, Diamond. So actually a lot of the ones I talked about, almost all of them, were in the top 10. And now, another drum roll, please. Let's look at the year of music. In no particular order, here are my top 20 releases for 2019. Garrett Scheider, Regurgitated Youth. Man, has he turned out to be an amazing chip off the block from Gary Scheider to Garrett. You know, he does such a great job touring with P-Funk, but his records are really, really strong. So much P-Funk influence, but definitely his own thing. And definitely among, I think, the most fully realized releases, you know, of of band members of, of P-Funk that are independent of George Clooney. <clears throat> also, Jimi Hendrix, Songs for the Groovy Children, the Fillmore East Concerts, five CD set. It just came out, actually, and it's all of 100% of the Fillmore Concerts of the Band of Gypsies. Prince, 1999, Super Deluxe Edition, five CDs and a DVD. That also just came out. Not only getting the original album remastered and different versions of those songs, but two CDs worth of previously unreleased tracks that he recorded around that time. So interesting to hear them in that context of you know that time frame when he was progressing from the controversy sound and album to 1989. It was a quantum leap. He had never even sung in his regular voice. It was all falsetto before 1999. And to hear that connective tissue in these tracks, you know, not all of them are great, but some of them are pretty darn good. And just the historical significance and stylistic insights. A couple of the songs also were saved and appeared later, like a graffiti bridge and things like that. Also on the list, Shaka Khan, Hello Happiness. Unfortunately, it was more of an EP. I think it was less than 30 minutes of music, but really cool experimental kind of um, funky uh, electronic dance music hybrid, and just so good to have Shaka back. Missed her so much. She's my all-time favorite female vocalist, and um, it really reminded me a lot of Prince's um, uh, uh, Hit and Run, Hit and Run 1 which was kind of experimental for him with electronic dance music. This is a great, the Shaka record's a great companion to that. Pleasure, now is the time. So good to have them back, their first album in like 30 years or something. And they didn't miss a beat. I mean, this thing is solid funk with a little bit of jazz influence and R&B. And you know what? They held true to their sound and their history. They didn't try to update it and try to, force today's you know trends on their sound and also they didn't mill about too much they kept the hard funk in there so big kudos to pleasure 24 7 spies soundtrack to the innermost galaxy always love spies i actually interviewed them a couple times back in my block rig exclusive and inside music and video days um jimmy hazel the lead guitar player hoping to get him on the show he said yes but still working on that Octave Pussy, straight from number one, B. 
Bimini Road. This is a tribute to the Motor Booty Affair album. It's a compilation of all the tracks Octave Pussy, the Dutch funk band, has made through the years. Uh, they've been around since like the early 2000s. But through the years, every record's had like, you know, a couple of tracks that had some P-Funk members on it. So this puts them all together and remixes them. And it's a great cohesive effort. I think it's fantastic. And the packaging, it's a, in vinyl only, the packaging is phenomenal. And it, it's just really, really a fun set. And um, Octave Pussy is being uh, featured on this program. Uh, uh, Steve is going to be on. Steve uh, Ryan, uh, R-I-J-N, is on uh, very soon, so look out for that. This may even air after uh, that that show comes on, actually. Freak Bass, all the way this, all the way that. To me, Freak Bass, Bootsy's protege bass player, has put out many records over the years, and they've all had their moments, but for me, this one really puts it all together. So funky, such great uh, funk playing, uh, bass playing, and, you know, two-thirds to half the tracks, I think, kick ass. And even the ones that are a little more crossovery with uh, the female vocalist on there, uh, Sammy Garrett, they have enough bottom, you know, they're kind of remind me of like when Slave had Starlina, and she would do the, those tracks like Just Freak, and yeah, or uh, even some of the ones that were a little more... Uh, Popish or B-ish. They always had that bottom. They always had that grit and funk. And, and even in doing that, Freak Bass covers that. So check that one out. I love that record. Eric Gales, the guitar player of his generation, in my opinion, a left-handed player like Hendrix. From an amazing family of left-handed guitar players, Gales Brothers. And Eric Gales I've seen ever since he was 15 years old in the early 90s followed his career throughout. I've seen him many times, and he is just, don't miss him, and check out his records. More bluesy rock than funk, but there's some funk in there. And he's played with guys like F Deluxe, and uh, knows the Minneapolis guys, so he's from Memphis. There's funk in there. Santana came back with Africa Speaks, and although even most of the lyrics and singing are not in English, uh, you know, it's a great record. It's got a lot of um, world rhythms and African, of course, uh, rhythms. Uh, but there's some funk in there. You know, it gets pretty funky. And um, one of Santana's best, I think, in quite a while. And thankfully not, like, overly commercial. House Guests, a real treat. My mind set me free. The uh, historic, I call them historic, performances of Bootsy and his brother Catfish, along with uh, Mudbone, Gary Mudbone Cooper, and Frankie Cashwadi on drums, who would later beat Bootsy's rubber band and part of uh, George Clinton's P-Funk Empire. These were tracks they recorded before that um, as the house guests and also under a couple other names. And it's just so eye-opening. You know, you can hear Bootsy's rubber band developing in there. You can hear some of Parliament uh, developing in there and you can really hear and latch on to what these guys brought to Parliament Funkadelic so don't miss that one Jazz Funk Soul Life and Times great jazz funk Jeff Lorber and Paul Jackson Jr. Uh, Paul Jackson Jr. Has, was on the show this year and um, Jeff Lorber is going to be on soon. I've been working on Jeff Lorber and hopefully he'll be on soon. Continuing with the top albums of 2019, according to yours truly, The Raconteurs, Helpless Stranger. This is uh, certainly not funk, this is rock, but rock of the highest order, thanks up to Jack White, who I still think is one of the most important uh, rock artists of his generation. And um, just love how he keeps things raw and real and the blues roots um, that shine through. A reissue, James Brown. This just came out very recently, live at home with his bad self. This was a live record that he recorded right before he changed bands to the band that would be uh, Bootsy and his brother Catfish and those guys. This was like a show that was done, I think, uh, December or something like that. 
and 69, I want to say, and it was going to be released as a rec, uh, as a release officially, but it got shelved because it changed bands. Finally, sees the light of day. What a great performance! The energy is off the chart. Check that out. The Black Keys, let's rock. Kind of like uh, Jack White's deal with the White Stripes, uh, the two-man uh, Black Keys. I really like their first couple of records. Uh, I would want to say early 90s, somewhere around there. They were very roots, blues, minimalist, gritty, rhythmic records. And they kind of got a little, they got you know fame and they got a little too mainstream. But this record, I think they come back a bit and it's really a, tr a tremendous, uh, you know, rock and fun, fun record. So that one in the Raconteurs, if you like rock, check those out. Next, Philip Bailey, Love Will Find a Way, a very jazzy, uh, laid-back uh, release from, from Philip Bailey, something different from his gospel or more pop R&B style. And, uh, you know, kind of melancholy, but very cool, great players on there. Mike Stern and the Jeff Lorber Fusion 11, again, more great jazz funk. Jeff Lorber finds his way into this list twice because he's really doing some of my favorite jazz funk today. You know, not the smooth jazz so much, but the actual funk jazz. Next is One Way. One Way came back after a long hiatus. I had uh, those guys on last year, um, Al Hudson and um, uh, their guitar player, Dave, and they were just such a blast. It was kind of like when I hung out with the Pleasure Guys. We just had a great time. And this record, I think it's 18 tracks. There are some first-rate old-school funkers on there. Uh, lots of fun. A little too ballad-heavy with 18 tracks for me, but just glad to have them back and glad that they're still funking. And they're still touring, too. Next up, Spirogyra finally came back. And I saw them do a concert in Charlotte a few months back. And they're back with an album called Vinyl Tap. So cool to have them back. And last on the list of top 20 for 2019 is Exiles of the Nation, their album Obscure. This is a group that some of you may not be familiar with. They're not exactly a household name. But they've released a lot of records. And they really bring together a fusion of funk, a little bit of hip-hop, a little bit of industrial sound. And, uh, you know, it's all blended together, and it's really, really engaging. So check them out. Special mention for books. You know, some books came out this year that you should check out. One is the Morris Day one, which um, is called the uh, uh, Morris Day on Time, A Princely Life in Funk. Very interesting because the presentation of it is like he has a conversation with Prince as he tells the whole story of himself and the time. And I especially like reading about the early years when they were teenagers in Grand Central and, you know, the types of stuff they would do. Very interesting to hear that they not only covered funk and funk hits of the day, but they also did some of the less known ones that you would hope they would be into, like, um, 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 Psychotic Bump School by Bootsy's Rubber Band and Mommy, What's a Funkadelic, and things like that. So, and I just was really uh, enjoying, you know, Morris recounting how Prince left such an impression on him when he first saw him as a teenager. He said, man, I was like so into music, it was my life. But when I saw him perform, it was not like he was just into it like I was. It was like he actually was the music. And that's how it was with Prince. And Prince's own book, The Beautiful Ones, which was you know, inspired by, he was going to write his own biography, or autobiography, at the time of his death, and he had started putting pages together. So he only put about 40, 50 pages of his own together, recounting his childhood and through his teen years. But the uh, editor that he was working with um, writes a nice forward in the book, and there's a lot of nice pictures. And I think you can actually see the books right back there. So two books, if you like Prince or are interested in Prince at all, well worth checking out. And, you know, a lot of people I talk to on the show talk about putting out books, memoirs, and books about their bands, which would be fantastic, you know. 
bring them forward, and you know what? I can help you edit them. You know, it's my area of expertise. It's what I do. So, you know, get an editor like me who's not only skilled at it, but also knows and loves the music so much. So I am available artists to, to help bring those books to reality. Because more often than not, you know, they, they have the idea or they write out a lot of it, but it never actually comes to full fruition and gets out to the people. So let me help you do that. Looking ahead to 2020, biggest wishes, more funk in general. We need to keep the funk coming. Health, you know, one of the reasons I took on doing the show was that we were losing so many of the great artists over the recent years, past five, ten years, we lost so many. And, um, you know, before they're gone, so many were gone without fully telling their story, without enough people realizing what they brought to this art form. So, you know, I'm out to try to get them while they're still with us. And, and that's what I'm trying to do. And, and even when I've been doing it since I took this on, there's been some that I've dropped as I've been trying to get a hold of them. You know, like Razor Sharp Johnson from Boosty's Rubber Band I was in talks with, and he left us. Um, and Dugu Chancellor, the great drummer. Uh, Wobble Watson, the great guitar player. So trying my best to keep them alive, at least, you know, if they leave this earthly plane through the show. Young talent. I'm hoping to see more young talent come up that understands real funk and real playing, you know? Guys like Mono Neon, the incredible bass player, more guys like him. You know, I see clips on YouTube, and they do bring about hope that early next generations will, will keep bringing it. And I want more funk to come to Carolina. You know, in the day, back in the day, I understand, Charlotte was just full of all the funk acts came to Charlotte, North Carolina, or nearby. But now they don't do that so much and need them to, to do that and, and, and bring it here because it's pretty bare here for, for funk. And you know, when I was in Los Angeles, I certainly saw a lot more of it. More reunions. One of the things that is a constant, unfortunate theme in these shows that I do when I talk to these, these musicians and these bands that were in groups in the 70s and even the 80s, there's so much um, acrimony. You know, there's there's arguments over who uses the band name, and there's these rifts and splitting and different groups touring at the same time. It's just such a mess. It's such a common story out there. So I'm hoping there can be more peace and more getting along among the bands and the band members so that the public can really enjoy what they can bring. New albums. Keep those albums coming. You know what? Don't just tour as part of like nostalgic tours or oldies but goodies. You know, bring it, really bring it, and bring it in the studio. Bring new records. If you can't release a record, put out over the internet. There's very little barrier now to do that. And us fans are still hungry for new music, new funk that's authentic, like Pleasure did this year, like One Way. Bring it, baby. Um, of course, more P-Funk. Can never have enough P-Funk. You know, George Clinton is still doing some shows. And they say was retiring into 2020. We don't ever want him to retire. But also, we want him to keep working in the studio and keep bringing us that magic that he brings to the studio. And we need a real, true P-Funk documentary or movie. You know, like they did on Queen. Give P-Funk their just due and do a real quality production that tells the whole real story. And let's do it while George is still with us. Also more prints, more prints from the vault. More of that great stuff. You know, there's so much in there. And, you know, don't just release um, the, the studio tracks, but also the live stuff. Set up a website. Let us, if we want it, we'll pay for it. You know, but there's so many live recordings and treasures in there, video and audio, get it out to the people. And like with P-Funk, do a legitimate, high-quality documentary or movie on Prince and, uh, you know, get a top director. I think Netflix is 
supposed to be working on something, but they lost their director. Who knows what's going to happen there? All right, so I'm with that, taking a look towards next year, um, or probably run into the next year after that. I have so many here. But I just want to give you, uh, the viewer and the fan, an idea of who I'm after, who I'm talking to. I want your ideas. Tell me who you want on the show. Always write me. I usually answer people within 24 hours. Whether you comment on the site, on YouTube, send me an email. Um, I'm quick to respond. But here are people that I'm after. Uh, Raphael Sadiq of Tony Tony Tony. I've been after uh, him and also Dwayne. Uh, Dwayne for quite a while. And uh, last I heard from, from uh, Sadiq Scandlers was that he's too busy. Uh, Ida Nielsen, the bass player from Third Eye Girl with Prince. Uh, she said that maybe uh, February she's going to have something out new and that it could work then. Candy Dolfer uh, said maybe in the future, the sax player that worked so much with Prince. Amp Fiddler, he said taking uh, time off, maybe down the line. And these were all as, as of September 2019. Morris Day, uh, even despite the book, uh, his handler said consider doing something sometime in 2020. Maceo Parker I've been after for three years and through his manager Natasha and um, <laughs> I've had all the other surviving uh, horny horns uh, Richard uh, Griffith um, not Richard Griffith, um, Rick Gardner and Fred Wesley have been on and just need uh, Maceo to close that loop and, and you know love Maceo like I said my son's named after him so so after that uh, here are the ones I'm after Bloodstone Sticks Hooper from the Crusaders, the only surviving Crusader, been after him for two, three years, and um, you know, what can I say? Stanley Clark, great bass player. Greg Fillingaines, Ray Parker Jr. Very hard to get all of him. Rhonda Smith, I've talked to many times or communicated with many times, a bass player from Prince, and uh, thought it was going to happen. Still has not. Michael Henderson, the great bass player, communicated with him and um, really hoping eventually that will happen. Michael Cooper of Confunction, been talking to him for three years and we almost got it done and then have not, but uh, uh, Felton Pilot's been on, on the show, so in, until that one happens, watch that one. Randy Muller, been after forever, uh, the leader of Brass Construction. I especially want to talk to him about BT Express because I've had brass construction guys on. BT Express has not been covered on the show, and there's almost no one surviving associated with BT Express anymore. But Randy Muller could help with that. So, Randy, if you're listening, come on the show. Or if you know Randy, get him to come on. Eric Gales, the guy never stops working, so he's hard to get on. I've been after him. Someone from Rose Royce, been wanting to get Rose Royce's story on the show have had people associated with Norman Whitfield and other Whitfield acts, but just can't get those Rolls Royce guys to commit. Stephen Shockley of um, Lakeside, uh, been after him, uh, had their, their drummer on, and, um, you know, that was a really good show, so check that out. Uh, definitely cover, covering Lakeside through that. Jerome Braley, the drummer from P-Funk, been communicating with him and thought he was going to come on. Same with Andre Fox from P-Funk. Uh, Steve Boyd was on this list. He actually did come on recently. Check that show out. Jesse Johnson, the great guitar player. After him, Bobby Z from The Revolution. Alan Leeds may come on soon. Former James Brown manager. Um, Jim Vitti, the engineer for all the classic, uh, you know, United Sound recordings with P-Funk. Been talking to him, hoping he'll come on. Of course, Bootsy and George Clinton, hoping they'll come on. Gary Mudbone Cooper, Blackbird, McKnight, Marcus Miller, Byron Miller, both bass players, Sheila E. Lynn Mabry of the Brides, also Don, Don Silva, I've been talking to her, and hopefully she'll be on very soon. Um, as I mentioned, Jeff Lorber, Patrice Russian is another one that I've been after, not been able to connect with her. Evelyn Champagne King. 
Kayla Johnson of the ADC band communicated with her many times and hoping to be able to tell the ADC band story. Atlantic Star, talking to those guys, thought they were going to come on. Starpoint um, was very close to doing shows on Starpoint and they fell through, hoping that's going to happen. Billy Nichols, who wrote uh, Do It You're Satisfied, hoping he could come on to tell the BT Express story. Zap, been trying to work with the uh, surviving Troutman brothers or with uh, other members of the band. Not yet come to fruition. Billy Beck of the Ohio Players, really pushing for that one. Paul Jackson, the great, great jazz bass player. Rufus, have not been able to get anyone on yet from Rufus. Been after Tony Meaden or Bobby Watson or, of course, Shaka would be phenomenal. Or Hawk Walensky. Um... Uh, Kevin Murphy, any of those guys, if any viewer or any of those artists are out there and see this, please come on the show. Rufus's story needs to be told on Truth and Rhythm. Steve Ferroni of Average White Band, Alan Gorey of Aver uh, Average White Band, Harvey Mason Sr., I'm hoping will come on, uh, Stanton Moore of Galactic, Ready for the World, been going after those guys, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. The group Shock that uh, Marlon McLean was part of. Larry Blackman of Cameo and also going after other Cameo members. George Johnson. Really wanted to tell the Brothers Johnson story on Truth and Rhythm and hoping to get George on. Uh, sax player Tom Scott. Byron Bird of Sun communicating with him and thought he was going to be on but not yet come to fruition. Rick Wilson of Mandrill. Um... Did have the Mandrill story told on the show through um, uh, Neftali Santiago, but would like to get Rick Wilson's side of things. Dottie Sterling from P-Funk, Tracy Lewis, George Clinton's son, uh, also known as Trey Lude, hoping to have him on. Levi Ruffin, the keyboard player from the Stone City Band, had Stone City Band featured on the show with other members uh, of, of the band, but um, hoping to get him on. Alexander O'Neill, the great um, singer, Hoping to get him on. Um, some people that just kind of have shot me down uh, include Mavis Staples, Handlers, Herbie Hancock, Bob James, Marlon McLean so far, uh, Steve Washington, many others, but for various reasons, either their people or their scheduling or in some cases their health. Excuse me. So in closing, you know what? I want to say, bottom of my heart, so much gratitude for supporting the show and for sharing my love of this music and funk, jazz, R&B, and hip-hop artists. Let me know what else you'd like on the show. Would you like more hip-hop artists? I've only had Kumo D so far. But to me, a lot of those artists from the 80s, you know, have a funk component. And I think funk fans are also interested in them. Um, let me know anything else you'd like related to the show write me anytime again make sure you have the book and uh, makes a great great holiday gift go to the uh, the store on funkinstuff.net and get some cool gear also you can donate to support the show much appreciated of course not mandatory it's free but if you can support the show in any way at funkinstuff.net there's a way you can donate and support the show and um other than that, you know, God bless. Happy New Year. Here's to a new decade of finding truth and rhythm. Bring on the 2020s. And, as always, this is Scott Dr. Hughes Goldfine signing off. Say, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.